As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 153 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. I'm glad you're listening. This week I have a fun interview with Jim Calafuri, the artist on Leaving Megalopolis, a collected edition that came out recently from Dark Horse. It started out as a Kickstarter project, and we talk a little bit about that process, as well as the book itself and what we might see in the future. We also talk about what Jim is up to these days, and he gives a hint or two about what might be coming. So I'm sure you're going to want to listen. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. I want to welcome to the podcast Jim Calafiori, one of the creators behind Secret Six and Aquaman and many other good things, including something I want to talk about today, Leaving Megalopolis. How are you doing today, Jim? Good, good. How are you doing? Good, good, good to talk with you. Let's talk about Leaving Megalopolis because that is an interesting book that's coming out. In fact, it's already out now. You can go out and buy the, it's a hardcover, right? Yes, the from Dark Horse. That's good. This book was one of the first ones or one of the early ones that I know of that actually went through Kickstarter. That yes. you and Gil went, went Kickstarter. Uh, what was that like going through Kickstarter? Because that seems to be now a trend. You guys kind of set a trend back then. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, it was a great experience. I had actually just been a. This is going back now. We did the original Kickstarter almost three years, I think, mm-hmm. and I had just basically become aware of uh, Kickstarter at that time. And we still had people. We still have them now, but we still had a lot of people back then coming up and complaining about DC having canceled Secret Six and how much mm-hmm. they missed it. And so I said to Gail, you know, we got all these people who really like their stuff. Let's, uh, you want to do a Kickstarter? And mm-hmm. uh, she was up for it. Mm-hmm. She pitched a few ideas to me, you know, just one, one or two sentence things. And uh, I really like this idea for uh, leaving Megalopolis. So we went ahead. We had a really great time with it. A lot of people backed it. We really appreciate everybody who got on board. And a lot of people missed it. So we've had the uh, extra copies of the Kickstarter edition, but then uh, we decided to go get a, a newsstand edition because we didn't do any newsstand distribution on the uh, Kickstarter edition. So that's when we started talking to uh, Dark Horse. 
Mm -hmm. Very good. Now, from what I understand, the Kickstarter project, you had a goal of $34,000, and you actually came up with $117,660. Yes. That's what you call, you know, exceeding your goal. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I, we were definitely happy. I mean, the, the original amount, which is sort of something of the way to go about Kickstarter, is really strip it down to basics, uh, mm. strip, strip to the bone, the budget. Um, that didn't include the colorist, Jason Wright. We wanted to bring Jason Wright on board, um, and he was one of our stretch goals. He was the colorist on Secret Six also. And so it was definitely a stripped-down goal to hopefully ensure we would make our goal, but we surpassed it very nicely, which was uh, it was great that people uh, really came out and supported us. Yeah, it must have been pretty gratifying when all the people came out and gave gave you what basically what three, four times what you were originally asking for. So that's that's pretty good. Oh yeah, uh, it was all to the fans for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as the book itself goes, it's a great story. I've had a chance to read it. It's one of these things that's kind of happening in comics today. You know, we're so used to the, the, the positive. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. And what you guys have done is this, there's a, this trend going with great power comes great darkness sometimes. Well, it's, um, you know, there's a reason for it. It's not people who decided to uh, suddenly be dark. Mm -hmm. And uh, unpleasant, there's an event that happens that basically unhinges all the superheroes. And there just seemed to be so much room to mine in there, mm -hmm. uh, which was the original concept that Gail had sent me. And there's so much more we can mine, angles we haven't even gotten into yet. I was intrigued by the idea of, in their darkest moments, what do the heroes really think about us, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> the humans. Yeah. Yeah, but on some levels, it's been compared to Watchmen by some folks I know. It's also been compared to many other, uh, like Mark Wade's Irredeemable and things like that. Yeah. Uh, all kinds of good things. And this is kind of like a new genre that you guys are a part of that's, that's pretty cool. It's nice to see how human beings, you know, we're so used to the notion that the heroes are all going to take care of us. But when that doesn't happen, we find that average people or regular people will rise up. And your main character there is one of the great female leads, I think, in comics today because I have this thing about women characters are not often very good. They're usually sort of silly and, and, and things don't go very well. But is her, is her name pronounced Mina, M-I-N-A? Yes. Okay, so Mina, she is... Well, she's got some secrets. I don't want to spoil any of that. Oh yeah, it's a great, great read. When we first see her, you know, this, the everybody is, is is pretty sure she's a cop. She's got kind of things. She's trying to gather people to be mm -hmm. able to leave Megalopolis. Which well, is she's not really trying to gather people. She ends up with people. In terms of a great female character, that's obviously all Gail, and she writes great female characters. I mean, she writes great mm -hmm. characters in general. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of doing a, a strong female character, while having her be uh, not perfect and having some definite flaws, and she goes through a, a little psychological journey, we see some of the things that uh, formed her to be the person she is. We have some mm -hmm. flashbacks, but she she sort of ends up with a group of people that she wasn't looking for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, which is uh, which again goes to where she is and where her head is at at that moment. Mm -hmm. Well, she's such a great character. Uh, she is very human in the sense that she's very flawed. And as I mentioned, there are some things we learn about her as we go through the volume. And I like that. I enjoy that about Gail's writing. And I think your art really helps that, too, in that we get character growth. 
Mm. So often in comics, you start this place and then you get to the end of the issue. What you've got to do is you've got to end basically in the same place because somebody else might have to come along next month and pick it up from you. Right. But with this book, you know, you guys have a lot of character growth going on, not only Mina, but with other characters as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a physical and emotional journey. You're not anywhere if your characters don't end up somewhere else. You've gone nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's sadly what a lot of comics do these days is they don't go anyplace. The yeah. characters are always exactly the same and they don't do anything mm. different except they, they do punch and kick as things go along. There you go. But when, when you get to the very end, you don't have any kind of character growth. And that is, if, if anything in storytelling is important, it's character growth. Yeah, that depends on the writer in the book. I mean, there's plenty of, yeah. of really good stuff out there, even in mainstream comics. Mm-hmm. It's really just dependent on the writer. Mm-hmm. Well, I also have to say that one of the great things about this book, too, is that it has a little bit of a Walking Dead feel to it, in that as bad as the heroes have turned into, some of the humans are still some of the worst problems. And I I keep thinking there's a group, there's one, uh, what they call a crazy cape, and there's one person called the Red Flame. Right. And there's a group of humans who have discovered a very self-serving way to survive, shall we say. And I found that to be one of the great parts of the book was reading this business about, you know, what will human beings do to survive? And it's not always a good thing. Oh, right. For a lot of people, when it comes down to them or me, it's it's me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even Mina's a little like that. I mean, she's mm-hmm. not like that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got these people, but it's uh, mm-hmm. uh, not what she would have wanted. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a so it's sort of, you know her facing her own situation. You know what I mean? It's sort of like mm-hmm. she can see, I think she can see a little bit of herself in these people, mm-hmm. you know, just in terms of if she was to be more callous. Mm-hmm. So. But people look at her as, as basically a leader because of the uniform that she wears right. and the role that she plays. And so what, she draws all kinds of all different kinds of people. Did you guys sit down and work out which characters you wanted Mina to associate with but, as you were working on the book? No, Gail had a, a list of characters, and I threw in my two cents here and there. Um, I mm-hmm. think the uh, one character became a male nurse, just because I suggested it probably to have somebody who can diagnose things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so certain characters that are, it's it's not bad to have on as a character type, um, as long as they're not cliched. But other than that, I mean, if anyone who's gotten the Kickstarter edition will notice there's actually a character on the cover of the Kickstarter edition who's not in the book. Um, and it was the character list, and, and ended up that Gail just didn't have the room to uh, get her right. in. Okay. Well, that's good because, you know, it, it's that it gives you guys room to move forward and do other things in the future. And we'll talk about that, too, because basically what I'm hearing is that there's a possibility you guys are going to do some more of leaving Megalopolis. Oh, yeah. There's a one on the cover, on the spine. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In both the Dark Horse edition and the Kickstarter edition, and it's you know it's not an accident. There's a lot we can mine with this uh, mm-hmm. this universe. Well, it's a great thing. It's a lot of fun to read. I like the characters a lot, and I wanted to talk just briefly about the hero slash villains. You've got Overlord, who is clearly the the Superman of the bunch, mm-hmm. and as we talked about the Red Flame. You know, it's easy to see that these guys could relate to certain other characters from a certain other company. And it was kind of nice to see them, what would happen to some of these people if things went awry for them in their other books. And this reminds me very much of Mark Wade's uh, Irredeemable. Mm. You know, he he had a Superman-like character in there as well. And 
it was great fun to see what happens when you've got all this power and you suddenly decide you don't necessarily have to be all nice and moral the way that Superman is, which makes him a very difficult character to write. I liked Overlord. I liked the Red Flame particularly. I liked all those ones. When you did this work, were those characters kind of... Like dark shadows of heroes that we're familiar with, or did you guys kind of come up with them to be something that's something a little different than what we were used to reading? Well, I never considered them, like with Fleet, Gail said, the speedster. Mm-hmm. There's speedsters in every universe. Um, mm-hmm. So I wasn't thinking The Flash, or I wasn't thinking Quicksilver. I was just thinking a speedster. I guess Overlord, you could say, yeah, he's the Superman, but I didn't really think about Superman with him. And I don't, and especially in the design, Superman has this very wide chin, small Mm -hmm. featured face. And I didn't even think about not going that way. Just as soon as we were talking about Overlord, I saw him with actually a pretty pronounced nose and a very fleshy face. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of the characterizations, you know, we didn't get too deeply into them yet. We've mm-hmm. seen them on the surface. I think any superhero universe you create, it's hard to create brand new archetypes. Mm-hmm. They're there. You know, mm-hmm. the detective, mm-hmm. the uh, the mm-hmm. Superman, the Captain America, the, mm-hmm. the, the honest, forthright ones, the, uh, the speedster, there's going to be an archer. It's just a fact of the matter. If you create a, a superhero universe, you're going to end up with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the fact that, uh, you know, Overlord's costume is just way different from Superman's. It's green, you know, much more, and he's got longer hair, which Superman briefly had for a while. But these kinds of things made them different characters to me. And one of the things I really liked to make me kind of smile when I was reading it was that Overlord has his own comic book. Yeah, that was cute. (laughs) I found that kind of interesting because that's... We think in our existence that should there be a hero, why there wouldn't be books or something telling that story. But uh, you and Gail basically came down to the idea, well, yeah, we would have people writing stories about these heroes or, or telling their tales. Right. Was that on purpose? Was Because that was, for as a comic reader myself, I found that to be a fun element in the book. You know, that was just nothing we discussed. Um, it, was, mm-hmm. it came in the script, mm-hmm. and it has bearing on the climax, mm-hmm. so I don't want to get too much into it. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like it would make sense that there there mm-hmm. were books. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff we have planned that I don't want to get into. Um, okay. <laughs> but uh, and plans change all the time. But right, of course. Um, there may be more about it. There may not. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, that's why we keep buying the books so we can find out these things. There you we go. Can learn about these things as we go forward. So as far as now, leaving Megalopolis is available now. It's 120 pages of story. There is extra uh, material in it too. It's actually uh, 108 pages of story. Ah, okay. Uh, the original graphic novel that we did, this Kickstarter edition, was, is 112 pages, and okay. there's only four pages that actually have no story on it. The Dark Horse edition is larger. We included almost all of the supplementals that were in the digital edition of the Kickstarter edition. Mm-hmm. Um, we got so big on the uh, the book itself that all the uh, story for the, for the uh, Kickstarter edition, all the things we had planned to have in as extras ended up getting shunted to the digital edition that all the backers got. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that stuff's in the Dark Horse edition. I'm not sure how big the book itself is. It's probably 128 pages. Okay. But mm-hmm. um, it has a lot of supplemental stuff, character designs and uh, an introduction mm-hmm. from Mark Wade mm-hmm. and a bunch of different stuff. 
Cool. Well, it's only fourteen ninety nine, so that's a pretty inexpensive buy as far as those things go. And of course, it's coming out the time of the year when people start doing their holiday buying. So this That'd is a nice. great idea. There you go. <laughs> See, this makes a good point. Now, I also wanted to commend you on your art for it. I've always enjoyed your art. I thought when you were doing like Secret Six and other things in the past, I always enjoyed that. And I thought that Megalopolis is, is one of your better ones because you get the chance. It looks like you've got the opportunity to experiment a little here or there or do some different things with the people. When you're on like a monthly schedule, it, it's a grind. You've got to get that book out. Oh, it yeah. looks like this one you had a little more time with because like uh, Mina and all these other characters, they seem to be a little, just a little better developed than the monthly grind allows you to do. It depends. You know, it really depends on the monthly grind. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, I mean, I think I, I hope I get better all the time. Um, mm-hmm. So I hope my stuff always gets better, whether it's on DC, whether it's on Red Lanterns or whether it's, it's on Megalopolis. And I think I also learned a few things by accident recently, and at, at, at least in at near the end of Secret Six, you know, a monthly grind of books, you're always trying to get them done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually had one bit of experience with Gail where she had introduced a character that I thought was going to be around for a while. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time designing her look. And mm-hmm. then two pages later, I got more of the script and she was dead. <laughs> <laughs> but it also made her more real because I mm-hmm. spent the time designing her. It's a failing that can happen. It's just, you know, you're, you're getting it done, you're working as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. But I've started telling people who are, you know, come to me to cons to ask me about stuff. It's uh, mm-hmm. design mm-hmm. every character as though they're going to be around for 10 issues or try. <laughs> if you have the time, it's always time. Uh-huh. You know? Well, I also like the fact that you can balance action versus emotion very well. You know, your facial expressions are really good. And some people are great at action and some people are great at facial expressions. But to me, you have this nice balance between the two. You can do them both very well. And that always makes a book enjoyable to read to me. So I just want to make sure I let you know that I just think your art is good on both those levels. And that's the kind of thing that we need in comics. Honestly. Thank you. I appreciate it. I try to do a lot of work with the emotionals. I'm not a guy who does cartoony expressions. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm not going to be doing uh, Hanna-Barbera cartoons or anything. I don't go crazy mm-hmm. with them, so they're over-exaggerated. So I think I'm maybe a little more subtle, but I hope it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I hope it reads when I do it. Mm-hmm. Well, it does very well, I think. And that's why, you know, when you were you, you laid a couple of hints out that there might be a follow-up to Megalopolis, what's the status of that? Would, if you're going to do that, would you go back through Kickstarter, or would would you continue with Dark Horse? How would that go? We're not sure. We're discussing it right now. Right now, that's up in the air. I like doing the Kickstarter. I really Mm -hmm. like the direct connection with the fans that way and Mm -hmm. buyers and not worrying about what we're doing, just doing Mm -hmm. what we want. That's the great part about Kickstarter. And if we were to go with Dark Horse, I'm sure at this point it would be, yes, give us whatever you got and we'll print it, I hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) So there wouldn't be that much to worry about. Um, Mm -hmm. I like the idea that it started a Kickstarter, Mm -hmm. but we're discussing it right now. And uh, it's a slow process. Well, it's got a lot of great elements to it. And you can kind of feel that there's a lot more story to be told with the way that the book ends. And a lot, a lot of things happen along the way. You know, it's, it's like the folks that are involved with the, the Red Flame. And, and I think there are other human groups out there that we're, I'm sure we could run into and find out how they're coping with all this craziness. Right, right. And there's also there's a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. There's an infinite amount of questions that we could be dealing with, or we will deal with at certain at some points. Um, we have some indication of the outside world mm-hmm. in the first volume and why they're not in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not giving away any secrets. We answer the question as to why the army hasn't come in in the first few pages when you see the tank that's embedded in the building about ten stories up. <laughs> um, 
which the, the opening scenes were a great device by Gale to uh, basically set the scene and explain things without having to have somebody stand there and explain it. But there's a lot of questions uh, just about the nature of what's happening. What happens if a superhero comes from the outside? Mm-hmm. Will he go crazy or will he be fighting the crazies? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, stuff like that. That's stuff that makes me want to come back and read more, those kinds <laughs> of questions. There was one panel on the book that really got me. And there's a, a bridge going out of town, and there's a, a, a like a cloth or something that's hung over, and it's written on there, "This road is closed. We are watching." Right. And then you had this, the, like, uh, looks like ropes hung across it, and you've got not just bodies, but sometimes just pieces of bodies. Right. That's the uh, people who tried to cross. Ooh. And uh, I guess the different states they're in might just be indicative of which crazy hero stopped them. Mm, didn't realize that. Okay, you know, that. Um, and then some have been hanging up there a while, so they're falling apart. <laughs> you know. so, really good stuff. It's such a great book, and I highly recommend that if you haven't gotten Leaving Megalopolis, that you do so, especially in the hardcover edition. That just is, this is a good story worth keeping. So get this, get this for your friends for the holidays. I would say, there you go. and all other kinds of good things like that, because this is one of those stories that will pull you in and you won't realize how much time you've been spending reading this wonderful story until all of a sudden you turn the page and go, oh, it's over. Because <laughs> that's what happened to me. I finally got to the last page and I went, what? That's it? Oh, no. There's more. I've still got questions. I still want to read more. So <laughs> that would be the thing I would recommend for that. So it's now available. You can get it at the end of the month, think through Amazon or get to your local bookstore and, and get them. There's probably lots of good copies around ready to be picked up and to be taken home and read. There's so also really a digital it. edition that's available at Comixology. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's, it, that's the Kickstarter edition. Oh. Uh, is available through Comixology. Well, that's interesting. So how much is that one compared to, say, the fourteen ninety nine for the hardback volume? Remember? Um, I think it's $11 to 99 okay. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's okay. Well, give a second here. We'll look at it. We had contracted with Comixology mm-hmm. before we had gone into any negotiations for any sort of printing with Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had given them the exclusive rights for the uh, digital edition. The okay. digital edition is what is the Kickstarter edition and the supplementals that were uh, left out of our Kickstarter edition. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, there are a couple supplementals in there that are different. Mm-hmm. I had done a little feature called Life of a Page, and it shows the page going from mm-hmm. script all the way through thumbnails, layouts, and final pencils and inks. Mm-hmm. So it shows sort of like how my process and my process working with Gail. Okay. Now, according to comicsology.com, it's fourteen ninety nine, so it's the same cost as the... Okay. The other so, but it's still worth either way. You know, you could read it on your iPad and the good things like that, or read the hardcover. Uh, I'd like the hardcover, frankly. I'd like to be able to have it around, <laughs> be able to read it. Good stuff. Uh, is the paper? Is that like a glossy paper? Do you, do you remember? Um, yeah, it, yeah. Because it'll make your art pop off the page real nicely with the. Well, when we did the Kickstarter edition, definitely went glossy. I like the way, uh, mm-hmm. especially with colors. Non-coded can uh, absorb colors mm-hmm. that can become a little dense and uh, they really pop on a glossier paper great great well it's a great book and I again I highly recommend people go out there and get it if you haven't already and if you have gotten it you'll know what a great book it is so it, it's uh, Leaving Megalopolis by Gail Simone and Jim Calafiore now just while well, we got a couple of minutes let's talk a little bit about another thing or two uh, why don't you tell first of all what projects you're working on besides uh, leaving megalopolis these days so we can keep our ear to the ground and pick these things up when they come out well right now i'm working on red lanterns for dc 
Cool. I've been doing that, sort of filling in, helping out, work for a while, and then I'm doing a, a little bit of a run. I did the Futures and Green Lanterns on mm. DC's event where they're jumping ahead, having books, uh, you know, having books that are like five years in the future or something. Right. I did the Green Lanterns, one of that, and now I'm working on Green Lanterns right now, actually, as we talk, as we speak. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm doing the three-issue arc that crosses with, there's a event going through all the Lanterns books where they're dealing with the uh, new gods. Godhead. Yeah, right. I haven't really been keeping up on DC continuity that closely. I guess Mm -hmm. we've seen Orion around and maybe Darkseid, but I don't think they've had um, the launch of all the characters from uh, the New Gods. I think maybe that Mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot of characters Mm -hmm. that nobody's seen before. Mm -hmm. It's keeping you busy pretty much. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, I'm right now. I I finished. I'm doing 35 to 37. That's the three issue arc, and I just I okay. finished 35. And right now, I'm in the middle of 36. Well, Charles Soule's writing that, and he's doing having a, a good time with uh, Red Lantern. So if your artwork's on there, that's going to make it even more fun to read. Uh, it's a lot of fun. He he, he uh, handles characters really well. Mm-hmm. He does very well. Now, one book that was announced by DC that's going to be coming out on a regular basis, going to move into the New 52, is a book that you and Gail worked on previously called Secret Six. Yes. And, of course, I loved Secret Six. One of the things that you guys did was take a character that nobody in the world cared about and made him into something that everybody really understood and really enjoyed. And that, of course, was Catman. Right. And well, that's Catman, all Gail. Your art helps bring the character to life as far as I'm concerned, too. So it's, the two of you do bring those, that together. Well, I hope so. But it's really Gail's ability. Nobody else could write the character. She took a character nobody wanted and was kind of lame and uh, mm-hmm. made him a good character. And that's really one of those things. You have that sometimes with writers and characters that they're probably the only people who can even write those characters. Hmm. But I mean, but she did that with the book in general. She took Bane and really turned him into a three-dimensional character. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, all Gale, I would say, on that. <laughs> oh, great. Now, I guess if the opportunity would arise, you wouldn't mind going back and doing a couple issues of Secret Six with her? Now, I wouldn't have minded being on the book, but DC is going a different way with the art on the book. So okay. um, I don't know if I'll be involved at all. Okay. Right now, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Okay. Know, well, that's so. good. Now, one thing Gail said, and this is just curious in all your discussion about the character, because Catman has become this interesting character, is that he's actually going to turn out to be a bisexual character. I Did you ever heard that. talk about Nope. Yeah, was, I hadn't actually I, heard that, so you're giving well, me neither, some news. Neither, neither had I. I was reading this in one of our, the interviews about it, and when I got to that, I went, that's different. <laughs> Didn't know that, so I, I was just kind of curious, knowing I was going to talk with you, I kind of thought, well, I wonder if you know much about that. Is this kind of a new thing that she's bringing into the character, or is this kind of something you guys had already put in place before and just never got No, to that was nothing that was ever discussed about okay. the character when we were doing Secret Six. I'm sure she'll make it interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. and make it work, but I hadn't heard anything about that. Sorry. That's okay. Well, I was just kind of curious about when I saw it, I was literally was kind of like, that's different. That's different, so, yeah. But, I mean, it's, about- uh, there's different kinds of people all over the place, you know, and it's yeah. uh, that's what we hope we're doing when mm-hmm. we're do- just doing comics. I hope we're still exploring, you know, everything about people. There was an interview in Hero Complex at the LA Times, and she says, you're going to see right away kind of what Catman's about. And I don't want to read too much because it's part of the character, but it was all about that. And she and she says that when we bring him back, that will be explicitly in canon, she says. So hmm. 
Well, we'll see what she does with that, you know. Until the old universe snaps back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's just all this discussion going on on the internet about possibly undoing the new 52 and going back to the original universe. Yeah. You know, now the sales aren't quite with it. You know, and I don't know. You know, Marvel has the ultimate universe as well as mm-hmm. the regular Marvel universe, but you know, the rumor is they're going to move the regular Marvel universe into the movie universe. It's honestly all just sales driven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if the new 52 books are not selling fantastic, which is, mm-hmm. you know, sort of they wanted to boost sales when they did it in the first time when they made the new 52. It's finding events, finding ways to get the fans interested in picking up the books. Honestly, anyone who thought that the old universe had no chance of ever coming back was not paying attention, <laughs> you know, uh, to comics through the last 30 years. If they do decide, I have no inside information, obviously, mm-hmm. if they do mm-hmm. decide to bring it back, I would assume that... Some of the better selling 52 books would keep going. Mm-hmm. It's a separate universe, but mm-hmm. you never know what's going to happen. No, and see, this is the, the comics industry, and I always worry about it because of things like this. You know, even Marvel's Ultimate Universe isn't quite what it once was. Mm-hmm. And so the notion of turning everything, it'd be like turning all the DC comics into the Warner Brother movies mm-hmm. kind of setup. Do you want that? Are you going to be hamstrung by the fact that if it hasn't appeared in the movies or they might be doing something with it, then you're stuck without it? Like the whole S.H.I.E.L.D. business that they've done over there with the Captain America movie. Do you change your comics to reflect the movie? And if you do, are you kind of stuck with that? Are, are you going to have to do things that way? I never understand that. And I just wonder, as a comic artist, what's your take on that? Would you prefer that they have them in separate universes? Like like Arrow, for example, and The Flash on, on the CW. I think they can exist separately and in their own way. And I've heard this from retailers repeatedly and seen it myself. The movies and the TV don't seem to generate that much of difference in sales. Mm-hmm. It's interest in the characters. It's interest in it's boosted the interest in conventions, but I'm not sure it helps the sales that much. And it's always mm-hmm. if they wanted to do something based on the movies, it's better off just doing that as a separate thing, which they do mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. Well, for example, right now they've got on the digital versions, they've got Arrow Season 2.5 and Flash Season 0 going on, so you can actually read some comics about the show before the, the shows are back on. Yeah, that's, to me that's good Sorry. enough, but you know, I don't run a company. <laughs> uh, well, well, even the people who run the company don't seem to have all the answers at this point. So well, you got to generate sales. Yeah. That's the bottom line, unfortunately. Uh, they call it show business for a good reason. There you go. It's a business. So Okay, well, Jim, it's good talking with you. And once again, I want to let people know that Leaving Megalopolis is out there, and be sure to pick it up. And if you see Jim's name on a comic, be sure to buy it, because you're going to get a good story with some great art. So be sure to pick those up. And Jim, I wish you a lot more success going forward. And just continue to do the great stuff, and we'll be out there buying it from you. Okay, thanks a lot. Good talking to you. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. Now at Majorspoilers.com.
And that's it for this week. Be back next time when you'll hear another great interview with another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.